Welcome everyone to a live showing of 451 degrees with, uh, we, it, this is more my interview one though, like, and joining me today is Ryan David Tuttle. Thank you hey, for joining Alex. me. Hi. So we've talked a little bit. I try not to talk too much to someone I'm going to interview beforehand because, you know, we don't want to like spoil ourselves. Uh, but you are the New Hampshire State Director for the Atheists for Liberty. Um, you, you are currently getting your psychology uh, doctorate and yes. um, and your master's, actually, at the same time. Yes. And, you, and you're and you a former Jehovah's Witness minister. Yep. Um, yeah. And, and that's like quite like a lot of things going on there. Absolutely. Um, and when I was doing my research, one of the things that kind of like, I was like, oh, no, wait, there's another thing here that's pretty interesting is that you used to be a mouse breeder. Yes. And <laughs> Absolutely. under the name Mr. Mice Guy, which, by the way, is an amazing name. Like, awesome. I thought it was super catchy and everyone smiles or laughs when they hear it. <laughs> so I feel like I was on to something. Oh, totally. Like I said it to a friend and he was like, that is awesome. He was like immediately like, yeah. And and you, I, I liked the names of the mice you had too. Like you had one named Dopamine and I thought that was really cute. Um, especially given your like psychology interest and everything. I was trying to weave it together for, did you watch the videos or just like, I had some posts about it? No, I, I was looking at your posts for those okay. and I thought I, like the names made me laugh quite a bit. And I, and I'm just like, I know you stopped doing it because you went to school. Are you going to start it back up when you're done? I would love to, or if not mice, like something else that's similar, mm -hmm. because I just, I, after I left the religion, I had like no hobbies or interests. And that was something that I found and something that I liked. And so I'll probably go back to it. Why I like it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a well, little bit unusual, but I, I like it. So it is what it well, is. Well, I mean, like, I think everybody has like a, I think it's more interesting when someone has a, has a, like a weird hobby that like not a lot of people have like, Oh, what's your hobby? I like listening to music. It's like, that's not really a hobby. I'm pretty sure everybody does that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. I, I would go ahead. And so you'll see on like dating profiles, like everyone likes hiking. Like Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's like that. You're like, no, that's not really like interesting as a, as a topic. Although there are some people who are like, super into hiking and that oh, and sure. those people I, I would say yeah that's your hobby but so one of the things i saw when i was looking at all your content which you have a youtube channel i um, do not a whole lot there but yeah but you have some pretty interesting stuff on there i would say um and one of your most interesting things is when you were talking about the jehovah's witness uh your experience with that versus the postmodernist issue that's going on that we're we're all kind of experiencing it's kind of taking over culture um at, on a grand scale and you talk about how they have a lot of the same argumentative uh techniques for how they attack things and how it doesn't make any sense because it, it doesn't have a through line to it yeah. um it's like a, a cherry-picked kind of way of attacking things that they don't like and um i I already felt like before postmodernists came out that a lot of atheists had a kind of dogma, a lot of, not all of them, but a lot of them had the same yeah. kind of dogma that a religion has. And, and I think a lot of 
um, atheists have grabbed onto postmodernism as their form of religion. Now, uh, do you think, and you mentioned the idea that moral absolutism, which you said the Jehovah's Witness believe in and everything, do you believe that moral absolutism is something that automatically creates dogma or like a belief in moral absolutism, or do you think it could just is could just be a gateway to it? Yeah, I don't. So I, does like the belief that there is like an absolute truth or an absolute good thing, things that are like absolutely good. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know that it necessarily does because a lot of atheists, I think, do not believe in moral uh, absolutism, right? I think a lot of atheists would say that it's all subjective, um, mm -hmm. but yet they're, they're woke and dogmatic, so. <laughs> that's that's a good point. That is a good point. And um, do you, did you, so did you find atheism before or after postmodernism kind of like affected it? So I knew nothing about postmodernism or woke stuff at all when I left the religion in 2016. Uh, so I guess I don't really, I mean, it was, it was after or during, you know, um, but I had, I had no awareness of it back in 2016 when I was learning. Because you're, you left the religion because of, um, because of its, its own problems. Yes. Yeah, for sure. And can you tell us a little bit about like, your experience, like you said, you call it fundamentalism and why you think it applies to how people look at woke culture now. So like what, what similarities? Yeah. Yeah. So I think one of the similarities I think is the video that you're referencing was when I was in the religion, there would be these sort of, uh, arbitrary rules or things that would come up. And I was, I was very sincere. I was a very conscientious person and I would hear these things and I would just like rack my head trying to understand like, what is the rule that's being applied here? And, uh, some of the examples are like, um, uh, periodically they would condemn some movie or some element of pop culture or something. And, and it would be done at like a large, a large meeting, of like thousands of people and stuff typically. And so like Pokemon was something, Avatar was something that was condemned. Um, Twilight, if I remember correctly, Harry Potter. Uh, and the reason sometimes they'd give for why this was so bad would be weak. Or I'd be like, what? Like, like Avatar, <laughs> for example. Um, the reason that they gave from the platform was that they were demonic blue aliens with with demonic eyes <laughs> and i was like well I, I mean god made blue animals like why like the fact that they're blue is demonic uh and then they also didn't like the word avatar because they said it has something to do with hinduism mm -hmm. uh, which i think they, i think it is a word but just because they use it in hinduism doesn't mean that the movie is anything about hinduism um so like is that is it true that we can't use any word that's associated with religion other than ours because that may not hold true all the time um, and it wasn't until after leaving that I realized that the the rules that would be made up would be uh, to serve a particular end. And so lots of times when something popular was demonized, the purpose is to isolate the people in the religion further from popular culture. And so, uh, but then when you understand that the specifics of what they're saying don't really matter, it's like this end goal that they have, uh, I think it makes a lot more sense. Some of the things that I heard or was told or was taught, like, 
um, it's because they were popular. That's why they were being attacked, <laughs> you know, because like, <laughs> why, why, why attack Twilight or Avatar and stuff, but then like X-Men's okay. Or, or what, whatever, there'll be inconsistencies like that. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I, I find that kind of funny that avatar is a problem word. And I, because it's a translation, I, indeed, <laughs> like, it's clearly like, so really the word is whatever the Hindu word is for avatar. Uh, so I find that really funny to me that they, that, that that's, I mean, because that lacks any kind of logic to it. There's no through line there. Well, um, so I don't, yeah, I don't know. If, um, the word I don't know. If, I mean, Avatar could be the Hindu word, right, or Hindi word. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure Hindi. if it is or not. But 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 that was their argument for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then, um, but so, what is something you've seen like recently from the woke culture? Like, because that video came out a couple months ago, at least, uh, that you would say kind of falls under that uh so one example that i like to give is uh i saw a post uh saying that white people are so racist that they refuse to adopt black dogs and so white the the, the racism of white culture is is uh, folding over into these dog shelters where no one wants to adopt these dogs um, but then I've also been told that having a black dog is racist <laughs> and you can see her being obnoxious, but I happen to have a black dog. And so like, how can it be that it's racist to have a black dog, but then also racist to not have one? That it's doesn't a, make sense. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of damned if you do, damned if you don't going on in yeah. woke culture. And that that's a really good example of that. We've seen um, a lot of really strange things like, oh, you you silence is violence. You can't, you can't not say anything, but, or, or compliance, but you also shouldn't talk. You should shut up. Sure. And, and, and that's the kind of that, that's another logical problem with what's going on with what your example is the fact that it's like you, there's literally no avenue um, of being okay. And you mentioned in that video that, it kind of works on the same kind of principle of hierarchy. Like if you're, if you're higher up, yes. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're more protected essentially yeah. Yeah. for your sins. Uh, those being postmodernist sins or sins against the Jehovah's witness uh, doctrine. And I think that's really important because I think a lot of people keeps harping on the idea that, um, oh, if you are like trans, if you're black, if you're um, a woman, whatever, uh, some kind of minority, you can say whatever you want. And that's not true. That is absolutely not true because we see people like Buck Angel or Blair White, um, yeah. you know, conservative black people. They get they they're treated honestly worse than just a white guy saying <laughs> it's these bad. It's for sure. For sure. It's bad. <laughs> So like to me, I felt like that was probably one of the most important parts of that video is the fact that you mentioned hierarchy matters. Yeah, like for sure. you, because and not the intersectional hierarchy, but the actual power within the hierarchy, like is important to whether or not you can speak. And um, so to me, I was like right there. That's why I think what you have to say is important um, because not enough people recognize that. Um, but it, and 
you mentioned, and this is something that I've seen happen to a lot of people uh, in a post that you're part Native American, but yeah. that you got kind of like pushback from a, from someone about that because yes. you you appear white. Yes. Um, I have black. I have a black ancestor. I have a Na- I have Native American ancestor. So like I tell people that, and. I mostly don't give a shit whether or not they react to it in a negative fashion, but at the same time, why there, it's especially for native Americans though. If you have native American as a white person in your past, in your, you know, bloodline, they, they get annoyed with you. They don't like it. Yeah. It's, it's like (laughs) viewed as like an invalid ancestry or something. (laughs) Yeah. Like, Oh, that didn't happen. Yeah. (laughs) Like, what am I supposed to reject them? Yeah. And, and the thing is, I, I think depending on, I mean, there's, there's a lot, the, the United States and, and the Americas is, is a huge place. So depending on where you're from and when and all of that, you know, that all plays a role, but depending on where, where you were from or your ancestors were from, it's pretty common to have mixed ancestry. And so my understanding, because my, my ancestor is the French, French Canadian, and it's common as I understand, if you have French Canadian ancestry to also have some native. Um, and it's not that I have a lot, uh, but I do have it. Uh, and it, you know, it's part of my ancestry and it's part of the history of the Northeast. And so to me, like after leaving the witnesses, learning about my ancestry and who, who my ancestors were and like what their religions were. And to me, that was important. And so I, I, I find it kind of offensive where, when I'm talking about my ancestry, um, and just the history of like my people and they'll be like, nah, nah that's, that's, that's racist for you to say that <laughs> I mean, it's well, just, I mean- it's just history. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's weird to to, to focus like on it. Oh, I think I lost you. Oh, I think you might be muted. Okay, <laughs> or weird technical glitch there. But anyway, what I was gonna, what I was trying to say is that it's weird to me to the the idea that someone might like overfocus on one aspect of their ancestry, like oh, like if I if I call myself black for having a half black great grandfather. Yeah. I think that would be weird. Like, yeah. Yeah. Which, like woke, what we see woke people doing that. Like, we do. I think that's weird, but I also think it's weird to go, well, it doesn't matter. Like that, that person doesn't matter to my yeah. ancestry. Like there needs to be this, sorry, middle ground. We, we have animal we, problems. <laughs> yeah, where we're able to acknowledge our our ancestry, even if it yeah. is like just one person, like, and technically all the people who came before them, because we are related to those people yeah. too. Sure, but sure. um, th- so to me, uh, like that reaction, uh, it's like we're not we're not playing Elizabeth Warren, but we are. I mean, it's and and you're right though that it's regionally, there are per- certain parts of the Americas where you will appear very white, but you will have an extensive native American background that does happen. Uh, I I spent years in Kansas and almost everyone there I met had at least one grandparent who was at least like a quarter native American. So it's like really hard to not say that those people shouldn't or should not acknowledge that it's, it seems cruel to me actually I, I also think it's like part of 
because I think that there's this constant desire to just demonize white people. Um, but it's part of our our history as a country and as a continent to have this mixing going on, <laughs> you know, and it's, it depends, again, it depends on the time period and the location, like what, what, what the relationship between the Europeans and the natives looked like, but it varied depending on, you know, wh where they were and, and who they were and stuff. So I, I think it's, to me, um, doing what they do erases a lot of the history that we have and the nuance that's there. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And I, and I, and I agree with your post in which you say that you wish you'd push back on her. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, because that's about, so that, that's about one of my coworkers who we were talking mm -hmm. about, um, our ethnicities. And I was like, well, you know, I'm, I'm French Canadian, English and, and native American. And she like sighed and rolled her eyes at me. And I was like, oh, I don't know. And I apologize like profusely <laughs> <laughs> because I, I, historically I've been a major pushover and I'm getting better, but um, <laughs> afterwards I got so angry and it was just like, why didn't I push back? You know? I know you, I mean, the point of that post is very important to me because I think not enough people have spine when it comes to like interpersonal, you know, conversations and someone does something like that. They don't want the conflict. They don't want the confrontation. <laughs> Speaking of confrontations, um, cat. Uh, and then, um, so to me, I feel like that's a really good point. And you have a lot of really good points psychologically on those posts. Like one of them, you say laughter as medicine, like that dealing with trauma through laughter. Sure. And what do you think of the, the, the constant, it seems constant, uh, woke attack on humor and people dealing with trauma through humor yeah so i mean i i can say that when i left the witnesses it was extremely traumatic for me and i was not laughing <laughs> i can tell you i was not laughing at all and it was very serious and i i think for most people there is very little laughter going on um and i came across an ex-witness youtuber and her videos would she just laugh and laugh and laugh um, and there was a podcast too. I forget what it was called, but they would do a lot of laughing. They would just like talk about our experiences and laugh about it. And like the stupid things that we did or the super beliefs that we had or the things that happened to us and laugh. And I remember laughing and just thinking like, I've never laughed about this. <laughs> and it, it was such a, it was a relief. It was a relief to laugh about these things instead of just being so serious. Um, which I had been up until that point, you know? And uh, yeah, I think that being able to laugh is important. So like when they say something like Dave Chappelle couldn't, shouldn't make. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. Shouldn't make the jokes that he makes. Do you think that's psychologically damaging to, to on a societal level, on an interpersonal level, like on a, on a personal level, um, to people to, to, to be told that they shouldn't be able to laugh about these things. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I, so I don't watch, I've never watched Dave Chappelle. So, <laughs> but I know he's like a hot topic and, um, there's been a lot of drama around him, but I don't really know what kind of jokes that he's making that people are, I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's nowhere near as bad as, as they're making it out to be. Um, or that's my suspicion. Yeah. I mean, I guess it kind of sends the message to other people, right? So they're saying that he's wrong for doing it, but then the message that's being sent to everyone else is don't you dare joke. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and so I think it makes everyone more sensitive. Uh, 
uh, more uptight probably. I don't know. I, yeah, I don't, I don't know, but it, I, I generally think that being able to laugh is, is healthy, especially the person who's experienced the trauma themselves. They should be able to laugh. Like at some point, not necessarily immediately, obviously. Yeah, so, that, <laughs> so that's the other thing is I think that there's like, um, there's a healing process that has to happen, right? So if you force it on people too too early sort of thing, that's probably not good either. Um, mm -hmm. But everyone's at different stages and whatever it is that they're going through. So um, there is, and, and this kind of tail ends on that, but there's this idea that, that I, I've seen it in psychology that you should essentially wear your mental health issues as a badge of honor and not actually work on them and expect other people to accommodate your mental health problems. Now, what is your thought on that as someone who is studying psychology? So are you saying that you've, you've like, um, you've just kind of witnessed that as part of the woke, woke stuff or yeah. did you like read that somewhere specifically? I've, I've witnessed it in general from woke people and um, some of them have literally written articles about how, everyone else should be accommodating them uh, for their mental health conditions. And I've also seen them act as though it's something that they should be proud of. Like literally you should be proud of the fact that you have some sort of mental health condition. And it feels like a way, another identity, essentially they've ident yeah. they've turned it into an identity. So yeah, I mean, I've definitely seen that too. You see that in people's bios; they've got all the list illnesses <laughs> 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 or disabilities and diseases and stuff. And I've uh, I actually went to um, a humanist meetup a couple years ago, and uh, who they're fairly woke typically too. Um, but someone spoke, and before speaking, they listed all of their mental illnesses, and I was like, "What? <laughs> like that seems really strange, uh, or to me, it seems strange." Um, but as far as like what I've learned. So I'm not in a clinical psychology program. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm not studying that sort of thing specifically, but I do have counseling experience. And I, I think it's a mixed bag um, because on one hand, I was trained to be careful of the language that we use um, when describing people who are experiencing something. And so like we should talk about people who maybe experience schizophrenia as opposed to like being a schizophrenic. Um, and I think part of that is that we're not trying to like you don't want people to have that as their identity, right? They're, they're mm -hmm. more than just the, whatever it is that they're experiencing. Right. Um, but then on the other hand, I know that like for AA, for example, so the counseling work I did before was addiction and mental health stuff. And uh, so I would take people to AA meetings. I've been to a whole bunch of them now. <laughs> now. And, and then, so some people are very passionate about AA. Um, and one of the things they do is they, they're like, I'm an alcoholic, you know? And, uh, at first, I didn't, I didn't agree with that idea. I didn't like that idea because I'm like, you're not just an alcoholic. You're more than an alcoholic, right? Um, but for some people, there's this denial that's happening around their addiction or maybe, I, I think mental illness too. There could be a den denial around that as well. And that having that and taking that identity on or like being like, I'm an alcoholic, it's, it is what it is and I've got to, I've got to work on it is helpful for some people. So I, I, I do think that there's like a this further thing that's kind of part of what you're talking about too with people getting like social credit on social media like where <laughs> where we're like rewarding or something which is a little bit different um but yeah I, I think it's a little bit of a mixed bag 
I, I actually agree with that. I think that some people, um, uh, some people allow themselves when they take on an identity to mean that they can't grow. Whereas some of yeah. them use it as a form of personal responsibility. Yeah. So I think it kind of depends on the person. Some nuance, uh, there's some nuance to be had there. Yeah. Um, so I, I really actually agree with that. Now you, um, you're in psychology, you're still in college and everything. And everyone keeps talking about how academics are captured. People keep saying that psychology is captured. Now you're not going for clinical psychology, obviously, but have you seen much of that right now? Or like you're actively a student or, or is your school like maybe a bit of an oasis here? I, so I, I've definitely seen it for sure. I so said, I've, I've been to three different universities um, and I've seen a little bit of it at all of them. Uh, I don't know that it affects me like directly all that much. Um, I think it might affect some of the undergraduates more maybe. Um, I can't speak from firsthand experience because I wasn't an undergrad here or during this time period, but I, I know undergraduates who've had to read the, um, the like anti-racist books and, and whatnot. Uh, I forget what they're, what they're called, but I was like, what? He, he had all of them, uh, like all of the ones that have made the news, you know? And I was like, wow. <laughs> and they were reading assignments that he had to read for class. So I don't know what that was all about, but it, and it's definitely a thing that's happening here. I know like Robin D'Angelo spoke at my other university and there was, her face was all over every wall. Um, but I guess one of the things that I would like to say about it in general, although it's definitely here, I think one of the things that conservatives make it seem like is that everyone is like unified and, and everyone believes exactly the same thing. And although there's definitely a lot of woke people here and I've heard crazy things, they are not, and not everyone's on the same page. Uh, and so some people might have certain beliefs that we'd consider woke, but then reject other ones I've seen happen. So, um, so yeah, I think, I think it definitely more woke than other environments, but, but still not, it's not like 100% in every individual who might do some woke stuff isn't necessarily on board with everything. Well, that's actually good to hear. Like, honestly, cause like a lot of people talk about how much the academia is captured and I don't want it to be captured. I used to be an academic. I wanted to stay an academic too. Um, until I realized that the, the whole adjunctification problem was going on. But I, I'm glad to hear that because I do think universities are important. Academy is important, is important to a society that claims to care about progress uh, by which I mean scientific progress. Uh, and so I'm, I'm glad to hear that it's a little bit more of a mixed bag. It's been 10 years since I've been in university. So I was, I'm like, I'm out of it. I don't, I don't know. Um, but hearing it from someone who's currently in it is in grad school, especially because I, I think a lot of people act like that's where most of it is like really, you know, indoctrination. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It's 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 hard to say because I only have my experience. Yes, you know, I'm, I'm sure that in some programs it is substantially more Worse. more present. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, um, it it probably depends on on the field. And again, like I'm in psychology, but I'm in behavioral science, so it's like research focus where um, everyone's their focus is trying to like understand how the brain works and understand how behavior works. Um, whereas like a clinical psychology program is like trying to understand mental illness specifically, or trying to understand how, how to treat people or diagnose people. Um, and so we're not doing any of that. And I, I think 
it seems like maybe there'd be more of that in the applied stuff. I don't, I don't know though, because I, yeah. I, can't, I can't speak for a certain well, I experience would, rather. Yeah, uh, definitely. But um, one thing that kind of uh, interests me about what you just said is that I've heard several woke people be against behavioral psychology. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah, and and act as though it's a it's a problem. So I, I I'm I'm a, I guess I'm a little happy that that means that to some extent that it's been left alone. Well, <laughs> I don't know if it, I don't know if it's been left alone, but, but <laughs> this was to some extent. <laughs> I, I so do you know what they when you when you uh, heard that? Do you know what they meant by behavioral psychology? Uh, they were going after. Uh, CBT neuroscience uh, because neuroscience is essentialism um, okay. to some extent, and um, they did also go after uh, I think evolutionary psychology was on the docket yeah. so, as well. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, they're opposed to science. I mean, that's that's there's an element <laughs> yeah. of wokeness that's saying that science because it's science is trying to like understand some sort of objective truth, right? And they view that as trying to ma maintain the status quo. At least that's my kind of understanding of it. Um, but but yeah, I, I do think um, from my experience, which again is somewhat limited, mm -hmm. it seems like the more uh, biology is your specialty, like the more, because like psych psychology, there's like a whole bunch of different fields of psychology. Oh, yeah. But yeah. some of them are more deeply intertwined with the physiology of the body and, or, or biology or evolution. And I feel like that doesn't open itself up to wokeness as much as if you're like a social psychologist that's that's what i what i suspect that that makes sense because um a lot of wokeness comes from sociology departments so yeah. uh, having it be about interpersonal relationships and stuff like that makes yeah. it a little bit more susceptible yeah um, it's, it's a little different if you're like studying rats and chimpanzees or, or, whatever, or whatever you know yeah <laughs> they're like we're less interested in that uh well because they're social constructivists so and that has to do mostly with human beings <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah so i'm i'm not entirely opposed to social constructivist perspectives i do think that there's like a spectrum -y thing going on that mm -hmm. sometimes gets out of hand um but yeah there's not a lot of that going on with rats <laughs> <laughs> yeah so Although I think sometimes that they totally miss the point when you study the behavior of animals, you are actually kind of putting a mirror up to human behavior sometimes. And I, I, I feel like there's a little bit of deism going on with human behavior that we have to separate it from, oh, yeah. especially social constructivists feel like they need to separate it. And I don't think that's realistic, honestly. Uh, we yeah. do learn about human beings from animal behavior. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That'd be like that's what that's what what I do is comparative psychology stuff, where you're studying some sort of animals um, to try to get a. Sometimes it could be for the sake of understanding the animals too, but generally it's try to get a better understanding of human human um, biology or psychology or whatever. Yeah, definitely. Now you wrote uh, essentially this idea of like your personal brand and mission. Okay. And, um, yeah, uh, you picked three words and I loved these cause I was like, yeah, I, uh, I know, the, I know what you're talking about. I don't yeah. remember the words though. So <laughs> <laughs> you don't remember the words. Uh, I wrote them down, uh, okay. autonomy, competence and connection. Okay. Now the first one is especially very important to me because it, it's to me, it's almost, especially the way you explained it. It's almost exactly the same as self accountability. Um, like 
having and which I got into the whole idea of being accountable for your actions through the idea of agency and for characters in fiction. Okay. So a completely different path to get to almost exactly the same thing is that we're responsible for ourselves and how we react to the world and all that and what we do in the world. Um, and uh, I wanted, wanted to know, like, how do you apply that, though, these three words to your actual life? Because you are very, um, you, you do a lot. And you're you're getting your PhD, and that's not easy. So I'm I'm kind of curious. Like, is I know you said you didn't remember the words, but you remember the concepts. I imagine oh, sure. they're huge in your head, uh, whether or not they're those specific words. So could you tell me a bit about how you use that, like, to be as successful as you are? So what you're talking about was actually a little training I did on um, Coursera, I believe. So it's a, it's a free training that's like developing your own personal brand. Uh, and so I, I thought it was just an interesting, it was free. So I was like, oh, this is an interesting exercise. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so what were the words again? It was autonomy, competence, mm -hmm. and connection. Yeah, so I feel like with the autonomy one, <clears throat> when I was in the religion, I like didn't even realize that I could do things for myself, <laughs> which it's, embarrassing to to think about or to say but there were so many things in my life where i could have just tried to problem solve or change something and i just didn't because i guess i was just trained to be passive or you're trained to just pray or read the bible instead of trying to troubleshoot or change your life or to improve your life um and so i remember uh early on in my leaving journey i was speaking to a therapist and uh I was just talking about how my my sheet. I had washed my bed sheets, but I didn't get to put them back on. And so it's like, if you don't put your bed sheets back on before you get ready to bed, it's a it's a pain in the butt, right? And she's like, well, "Why are you washing your bed sheets?" Um, and I was like, "Well, I get like sand, and I, I there's like stuff for my feet that get tracked into the bed, and it's it's gross. And so I so I have to wash my bed sheets." And she's like, "Well, what about what about putting like a carpet down?" Uh, so, cause I'm I didn't have carpets, and so I would just like anything that was on the floor would stick to your feet and then get tracked into bed. Uh, and so she's like, well, what if you put a carpet down? So you walk across the carpet and you're not having things stuck to your feet. And I was like, I never thought to try to problem solve this. <laughs> I was just like, I'll deal with it, <laughs> you know? Um, and so I got the carpet and that solved my issue. Um, and just, just like other things where like, uh, I remember there was another instance where I was like charging my phone, but the cable wasn't quite long enough. And so rather than like getting an extension cord or a longer cable, like I was just like leaning over <laughs> to use it in the place that it was. And I was like, why aren't, why don't I problem? Like, why don't I just buy an extension cord to make my life easier? Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know. I forget to, I forget that I can do that sometimes, even still, I think I, I forget where I, I would much rather, or my, uh, my sort of go-to is to just cope and to deal with whatever it is and to not think about how I can fix it. <laughs> um, and then the other one, what was the other one? Connection. Uh, connection yeah. and competence. Yeah. And competence. Yeah. I mean, uh, the connection is just, I feel like I've always had a hard time connecting with other people. Um, I think it's like a special challenge for me for whatever reason it seems, it seems to be. Um, and I also think it's a problem in our society in general, that we're we're lacking connection, we're lacking meaningful meaningful relationships, and so I think it's you know it's my religious experience. I think maybe just me as part of my my biology or my makeup or whatever, um, and then also society. So I feel like 
I want to build relationships and connections whenever I can. Um, although it's difficult and I feel like sometimes just like stuff just works against you, you know? Um, so that's what the connection was. And then the competence one, I guess, was just about, um, I guess kind of relating to the autonomy one a little bit, just being a more competent person, <laughs> gaining <laughs> skills and, and developing myself and, and stuff like that. So how did you um, end up joining uh, Atheists of Liberty? Like, how did that happen? Because I know, I mean, it's a, it's a huge leap between Jehovah's Witness to atheists and in an atheist, you know, community that has an actual organization. Yeah. So uh, when I left the religion, there was like a whole year, uh, like almost all of 2015, that I was just lost. I, I didn't know who I was. I don't know. I was maybe in a state of shock or something. Like I didn't know what to believe. I was just, I was very lost. Um, for a while, I thought that the the religion was true, but just there was bad people in the religion. Um, and then at the end of 2015, I read an article by uh, Valerie Tarico, I believe was her name. And it was about narciss narcissists and narcissistic religious leaders and narcissistic religions. And, and then from there, I learned about religious trauma syndrome. And I was like, huh, <laughs> this is totally my experience. Um, and then from there, I was like, well, you know, I don't really believe, I don't really believe in any of this anyway. <laughs> so it was just like being an atheist just kind of came natural. Um, in, in the Jehovah's Witnesses, they kind of teach you to hate religion other than your own religion. And so people have described it as like training to be an atheist. <laughs> and so once, once you see, you know, they'll, they'll criticize all the other churches for being corrupt or abusing children or all being hip hypocrites or like misinterpreting the Bible, all, all of that stuff. But they do all of it. <laughs> they do absolutely all of it. And so it was like, oh, I guess, I guess I'm an atheist. Um, I, I do think for me, um, I, I'm actually not crazy about the term atheist because it's like, well, I don't believe in God, right? But I also don't believe in leprechauns or unicorns or like there's a lot of things that I don't believe in. And I kind of feel like it almost doesn't make a whole lot of sense to define yourself by what you don't believe. And I think what you believe in is maybe more important. Um, and so I think that that's a little bit problematic with the term atheist. And, and it doesn't tell you anything about what your worldview is or your morality or anything really. Um, and so I do think that, um, although I, I use it, you know, and I, it's, it's a, it's a thing that people understand in our, 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 our culture, I, I think has some limitations and I think it needs something to go with it. Um, and so like humanism, I used to go to humanist meetings, but they were super woke and I was getting attacked online for the things that I was saying. And I didn't know anything about wokeness at the time. Um, but yeah, I, I stumbled across, uh, atheist for Liberty on Twitter. Um, and so I, I became a member <laughs> and I, I was really happy to find an atheist organization that was not woke because it, it, all atheist people seem to be woke is, is what it seems like, or, or nearly all clearly it's not the case that it's all of them, but it seems no. that way. <laughs> Cause I, I'm, I'm not, uh, yeah. and I am an atheist. Um, and, uh, I, I do think that it's important that atheists who are not woke start meeting each other because, um, I, I think it's really easy for atheists, for for non-religious people in general, to need that sense of community that religion yep. usually provides. Yep. Um, and that can be filled by a woke community, unfortunately. Sure. 
Um, so I, I do think that something like Atheists for Liberty is a very important uh, organization because we atheists are not misanthropic. We still need human contact and community. So something like Atheists for Liberty can fill that without it becoming the dogma that woke does. Um, so I, I am I, I can see why like it you know, you still needed it. So you still needed that sense of community and you did find it. Um, yeah, and and it's that's also, really- I mean, it's like, these are topics that I'm passionate about <laughs> and there's not a lot of organizations that I can associate with or promote that share my values. Right. And a- a- Atheist for Liberty is the only organization that I know of um, that is not woke. We are here at Unsafe Space. All of us hosts are atheists, actually. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. So, <laughs> so like every single one of us, you you would come on any of our shows, and we'd all be atheists and not oh, woke. Cool. All right. All right. So, yeah. Well, but 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 Unsafe Space is like not about atheism specifically. No, no, we're not. Right. We're not right. specifically about atheism. Um, I also I am very firm on this idea that I am not an anti-theist. I don't know how, like, I feel like that's a split in the atheist community sure, um, sure. that some people are very anti-religion and I'm not, like, I don't, yeah. I don't, yeah, I, I can, don't I can talk about that a little bit. I feel like, yeah, I go a, ahead. <laughs> um, so I definitely was anti-theist for sure. When I left the religion, absolutely, absolutely hated everything about religion. Um, but what I've noticed is with the, with the woke stuff is that, they've like gotten rid of everything that's good about religion and just kept all the bad stuff. Yep. <laughs> and so it's not, it's not like religion per se. It's like all of these bad things that people don't like. And um, when I think about religion, although I, again, it definitely gives me the, the, the heebie jeebies because of my experience, but I really think of religion as this sort of really large umbrella that includes all sorts of different kinds of behaviors, like, like meeting together weekly. I don't think that's bad, but it, it's part of religion. Is it religion? No, but it's part of it. Right. Do yeah. I think like singing, singing hymns together is bad? No, I, I think we should probably do that. I mean, would it give me the heebie jeebies to do that? <laughs> <Does it make laughs> probably yes, but, but I don't know if that's bad for us. Um, and there's a lot of things about religion that maybe aren't, 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 um, are associated with religion, but I don't think are bad. Um, and I I think that, um, there's a couple key issues, uh, or parts of religion that atheists tend to have some issues with. So things like hypocrisy, but again, not Mm -hmm. exclusive to religion necessarily. Um, and also, um, uh, superstitious behavior. And so I think that, that in particular, it's the superstitious behavior that most atheists are really opposed to. And uh, I've done a lot of thinking about, <laughs> about that. And I totally get why atheists are opposed to that. Because if you're engaging in some sort of super, uh, superstitious behavior, when you could actually be doing something <laughs> to, change, to change your situation, then you should be doing that. Like, why would you pray? Like, if, if I've got a sliver, like, I'm not going to pray. I'm going to take the sliver out, right? And so the yeah. atheist perspective for most people is like, don't pray, take the sliver out. Um, but I think that uh, part of the reason why religion exists and these superstitious behaviors exist as part of religion is I, I think it's um, a way for people to kind of control their stress response. So one of the things I was studying is uh, stress. And so the perception of control over over whatever is happening is important uh, for helping you manage your stress. Um, and if you don't feel like you're 
in control of whatever is happening or that you don't have any control of your environment, um, then the effects of stress will be worse. That's like the very simple, broad thing, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I think a lot of the superstitious behavior that people engage in, it gives them a sense of control over things that they might not have control over, right? And so in certain forms of prayer, people are asking God for help or for guidance or for protection uh, or for answers. Um, and I think that for people who don't have a lot of control of their life, you know, I, I think of like people who are impoverished or who are in some other really bad situation, like they genuinely have less control over their lives and they also tend to be more religious. Um, and I, I think part of the reason why is that it's, it's helping them give them a sense of control over things that they might not have control. And so, although I, I, I am, I am in the camp of atheists where I'm like, yeah, we should be doing things. Um, I also have some some sympathy for people who are in bad situations and that that some religion gives them some sort of comfort or or relief. It, it's interesting because it, your description made it sound almost like a like OCD behaviors, you know, and and that that was because uh, I read a lot about um, anxiety and control issues, uh, okay. especially from a brain perspective, because I have an anxiety disorder. So I, I want, I read a lot of sure. uh, books from psychiatrists and psychologists, uh, especially the ones that actually study the brain Yeah, uh, more than the ones that are, are about clinical uh, interactions. I, I find it more interesting. The brain is more interesting to me. And I, and I noticed you feel the same way. <laughs> yeah. So uh, a, a book, so the, the book that would be like the book that talks about what I'm talking about is called Learned Optimism by Martin Seligman. Um, he's He doesn't talk about religion in that at all, um, but he was the guy who discovered learned helplessness. So yeah, I recommend that book. That was actually the second book I read after leaving, or actually I read it before I left the religion because um, I was like searching, searching for answers when I was leaving or like mm -hmm. in the early stages. And that was one of the books that I read, but I highly recommend Wait, it. About how old were you when you left? Um, uh, it was like 2000, it was a little bit of a transition, right? But, uh, 2013, 2014. Uh, so I was like 27, maybe something like that. Does yeah. That sound right? yeah that, um, 25, 26 sort of range. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. That. So like yeah. mid 20, mid to late twenties. Yeah. I was just curious because I, I was wondering like, I, whatever stage of your development you were in, like I, that would like give me an idea of like what was going on from that perspective. But, sure. um, so I, do you notice, I, I, you have a video where you talk about your experience over the last two years and you were literally forewarning people in your life about coronavirus before it oh, came yeah. to the U S yeah. and yeah. I thought that was kind of interesting because like, it, but to me, the in, the most interesting part about it is that you called it the great narrative, um, that the way people would flip, uh, depend like based how they felt about scientific ideas based entirely on what was politically advantageous, yeah. Yeah. Um, because and and the way that a lot of people have forgotten that in the beginning the left was saying that don't wear masks, they don't work. They were yep. saying it's it's a conspiracy theory to be concerned about this. Yeah. And there's, I, there's I, video clips of media, like like news anchors and stuff saying that for sure. 
Yeah, and uh, I've noticed a lot of people point that out, like on the on like Twitter and stuff. That you guys literally said the opposite of this, and that that keeps happening. That yeah. like they keep doing that and expecting us to like forget. That and, and it might just be a few months time, <laughs> and we're and what do you think is do you, do you think that's just bluster to go forward with this? 180 or like what do you think is going on there that they think it's okay to like believe we're gonna forget i guess (laughs) i i honestly don't know i actually so a a lot of my former friends or like almost all of them after leaving the religion are are woke and so are not my friends anymore but but one of them i i asked him i was like how do you reconcile this because you were you he called me a uh was it him uh, I believe it was him calling me a, a tinfoil hat wearing conspiracy theorist. Um, and he was like, I don't want to hear about the virus, like this conspiracy and stuff. And now he's like very much the typical left-wing perspective on this. And so I was like, how do you, how do you reconcile this? And he said that there was nothing to reconcile. Um, and I, I don't, I don't get it. I don't know. It's like, I don't know. I, don't, <laughs> I really well, don't I- get it. Yeah, it seems crazy to me, but one of the things that it shows a cognitive dissonance to the the idea that I 100% believed X and now I 100% believe the opposite of X. Yeah. And there's no and as he said, there's no there's nothing to reconcile here. And it's like if you literally I feel like that could actually break your brain a bit to force yourself to do that. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And I mean, even when, when I was concerned about it, even then, I was like, I don't know what's going to happen, guys. I know that there are these scary videos being circulated around. I, I they might be fake. I can't tell if they're fake, but I think that we're going to be <laughs> we're going to be shutting down. I think that this is going to happen, and I don't really know what it's going to look like. But I feel like we should be prepared and aware. <laughs> Just well, like and one of your things was like you were like buy more food. And yeah. to me, I'm sort of like, that's actually like, that's good advice because we did actually have a problem there. We did, yeah. Uh, so like yeah. mostly because people start freaking out. And, uh, but like anytime there is an emergency, you should actually have extra food on hand. That's just a sure. general prep preparedness thing. So to me, I'm sort of like, that's not crazy. It's, it's never crazy to tell people that something might happen. You should buy more food. <laughs> I know. I, I was telling my parents, I was like, well, when you go to the grocery store, just buy a little bit extra because I, I think that they're going to shut stuff down. And I think that people are going to panic and we might not be able to get access to certain things. So if you have a little bit, a little bit extra that can just get us through a few weeks or a month, or I don't know how long, you know, um, <laughs> that, that, that'll help us out, you know? Um, yeah. And nobody listened though. I, 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 I honestly like had an opposite reaction than you, mostly because I was not aware. Like you were, you were very aware, like very early on what was yeah, going like on. Like January, uh, January two thousand nineteen, I think is when I became aware of it. Yeah, that's that's pretty. That's very early, and I was not like I was blindsided. Honestly, I was because I didn't. I don't watch. The I think most people were. Yeah. Um, I mean, the thing is, though, is that I already have a preparedness kind of policy going on because mm-hmm. I was in a flood in Kansas and we didn't have water. No water was was uh, drinkable 
in oh, for man. a while there. So like to me, ever since then, I'm like, well, I have to have water on hand. I have to have food on hand. So like that part of it, I was prepared, but <laughs> but psychologically, I was not prepared. Um, yeah. So it's like a, a difference there. But um, I, I just I found that so interesting that you still had the sense of skepticism, though. Like you were yeah. still like maybe the videos are not completely. I was like, I know something's up. Something's up. Something they want. <laughs> they want us to see these videos, and I don't know if it's like I don't know. I, I but I was I was absolutely saying those things then too, um, because some of the videos seem. Do you, do you know the videos I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. Where like people were like dropping dead in the street, and they seemed odd. Like they, it seemed unbelievable. But then I was like, well, if people are dropping dead, like maybe it is serious. Like, <laughs> but it did seem like, unbelievable from the video. Say, oh, like. Well, we don't know what they're dropping from, you know, like oh, they dropped, like or when why? the videos were recorded. Yeah, why? Why when the videos were recorded? I mean, there's I, I forget. Um, there are some videos where there's like other some sketchy stuff going on, but they had videos of like bodies supposedly just like laying around hospitals and stuff, and and it's like, well, is this even current? Is this old? Is this new? We don't know anything. You know? Well, that's actually a very the is this current is this new? That's a very good. Those are a very good set of questions because right now there's the whole monkeypox thing going around, and I'm seeing a lot of photos and stuff. Yeah, I saw that some too. Of those photos are old. Yeah. So and and a lot of people are willing to be tricked by those things, or or not not willing to be on guard for someone. Yeah. To, so I saw. I don't know the ones you saw specifically, but some of the ones I saw. Uh, they were, it seemed like they were old pictures, but it also seemed like they were kind of just using it as stock photo, a stock yes. photo, as opposed to being like, this was taken 2020, right? Yeah. Just kind of <laughs> monkey pox, you know? So I, I, I don't know if that's necessarily nefarious. It might just be a pic because they want to have a picture of monkey pox. So they, they grabbed something that they had, you know? So yeah. who knows? Yeah, I know. They did that about fires too. They, 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 we don't have any footage or photos of the current fire that's going on, yeah. but we do have this old photo or this old footage. Well, that and happens it, with the military stuff too, right? Wasn't there some yeah. scandal where they had some, some video of something that wasn't real somewhere? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, 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 I'm, I've worked in marketing for a long time and I know that stock is like very important and everything, but at the same time, when you're talking about news and like, things that are going on like right now, I yeah. find it to be kind of counterintuitive to use stock because it, for one thing, then you create a question. Is this real? Are you lying to me? If people recognize that it's stock. Um, yeah. And I mean, I, I do, I do feel like, uh, cause I, I know I saw some of those posts that you're talking about. And I feel like when I see the picture, I think the assumption is that this is of, like if these are people in hospital, like they they show people on respirators and hospitals, I'm assuming that's of the people that we're talking about, right? Yeah, um, exactly. Not a stock photo, but sometimes it is a stock photo. So, yeah, and I think in news that is kind of a like maybe not a great practice uh, for making sure people like take you authentically as news. Mm. Um, I'm not to say that news is great at telling you the truth in the first place. But um, just as a practice, I think I don't think they should be doing it. But OK, so this show is all about censorship. So I have a question for you. What do you think right like recently is the most egregious form of censorship you've seen? 
the most egregious form of censorship. I feel like there's like all sorts of stuff that happens. I mean, we, we had the like the Ministry of Truth thing that happened. <laughs> that, <laughs> I don't I, I don't know what to make of that. I mean, that's not doesn't answer your question, but that that's real real fascinating that it, it, it supposedly was going to exist or existed, and then also that they're like pausing it. All seems very suspicious to me. Um, but yeah, I I don't know. Uh, I can't think of any examples of things that are recently <laughs> censored. I know there's been like books. I know there's been like books that have been taken off Amazon and stuff. Um, well, is there one that like all time that makes you that that you felt was bad? Yeah, we've had so many. I'm sure that there is one, but I guess I'd have to think about it a little bit. <laughs> um, I mean, so like talking about the so like so I, I guess I guess we'd have to go with like talk about the virus. Right. Mm -hmm. um, you weren't allowed to talk about it on YouTube or social media. People were getting things taken down. And then it turns out some of the stuff they were saying was true. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's like, not specific, a, but that's definitely you know, a thing like, that was happening. As, a as someone going into a science, do you, do you find that that, that that was unhelpful to advancing treatment and understanding uh, what was going on, like keep maybe if the public didn't know necessarily what was going on, like yes or no, or on these specific topics, but then from the professional side of things, like uh, not being able, professionals not being able to discuss what was right or wrong. Like, do you think that that was um, harmful? So I don't study viruses, so I don't know, like, I don't know how much different professionals knew or scientists knew about things or whatever. Um, I do think that, and I, I also don't know what their motivations were for censoring, right? I mean, I mean, I'm generally opposed to censoring, but it, we don't necessarily have insider knowledge as far as why certain companies made the decisions they do. Um, again, I'm, I'm, gen I'm generally opposed. Like, <laughs> I, I think that most things are a sliding scale, and I'm usually like, I feel like censorship is really bad, um, but. <laughs> But we also don't know the other side of the story of what what, what they were trying to do at the time. Um, I, I do think that ultimately it has hurt people's perceptions of science. You know, I, I think that public relationship with with scientists or science or universities or, or the media and stuff has all been damaged. Like I don't know how that's ever going to be recovered. And, and that definitely that definitely hurt it, right? I mean, do you think that was the censorship? The censorship itself is what hurt our trust, I suppose, or do you think it was, um, the fact that they were trying to like move us in a certain direction? Like, which do you think? Both. I mean, right. They're, I feel like they're part of the same, same beasts, right? They're trying to control yeah. information, but then also feed you certain information. So it's part of the same, it's like yeah. two heads of the same monster or something. <laughs> it is a monster, isn't it? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, uh, do you, do you think people are, um, want more information not less like on on a general idea it depends i think it depends on context because I, I think a lot of people like will just see the headline of a news story and that's all they'll read <laughs> they'll all they'll just give me it all in a headline right and so i think there's a lot of times where yes they just want the headline and then there are instances where people do want more information um you know, frequently I'm looking for some sort of deeper, I guess it depends on how passionate or how interested I am. You don't have time to look up everything, right? I mean, like I don't, I've looked up a little bit about viruses. I know a little bit about how viruses work and how 
just stuff that was going on a little bit, but there's a lot that I don't know. And I just don't have the time or energy to look it up. <laughs> um, I, I also think that with some topics, they are very complicated. And so although I don't think it should be limited to experts, there's a double-edged sword here where like on one side, people are like, well, only experts can talk about this. And I think that that's bad at some level, but then also experts might be the most knowledgeable to talk about the subject because some things are really complicated and, and uh, a lifetime of study has helped them understand it. Or, you know, it's not with science, it's not about one study. It's, it's a whole pool of research that's being done. And so when someone is an expert, they have a greater knowledge of the entire pool. Um, not to say they're not biased, <laughs> not, not to say they don't have some sort of like vendetta or, or some sort of, um, ax to grind or whatever, because those certain things certainly do happen. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I don't, I don't know if I answered your question or not. No, no, no. It's, it, that was good. I, I do want to know, like, what do you think about the phrase believe science? Cause you are going into science. Uh, I know, I know. Yeah. Um, is so is that who who is saying that is that conservatives that say that as like a a jab at the left or is it the left that says that they both say it like they i've it. i've seen they've i've seen but i've usually from the right i see it as kind of like a um uh almost sarcastic kind of response oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when, sure, sure, sure. when when new science comes out believe science like you know like you were throwing this back in your face kind of attitude to it I, um I think, but go ahead i'm sorry go ahead no go uh, ahead so i was gonna say that um so yeah the belief science thing the the problem is is like i think i think i think it harms public's trust in scientists and academics in some ways, right? They're just like, no, just believe, right? Um, and, and part of the things uh, what I'm opposed to about religion is the intellectual and moral authoritarianism where, you know, my church is like, well, we have all the answers. We're going to tell you the answers. Don't, don't be a skeptic. Don't question. Don't think for yourself. We're just going to tell you. And that belief science has, has those vibes where we're just going to tell you, don't, don't think, don't ask. Telling you. And so I just like that. You know, I, I mean, I, I do believe in science and I think that that is the way that we should understand the world and, and helps us make, make changes and, and progress on different things. Um, but I do think that the, the believe science has that uh, intellectual authoritarianism uh, vibe to it. Okay. And um, thank you. Uh, how do you uh, suggest, cause I, it feels like it's really hard to like navigate everything that's going on and what would you suggest because you seem like someone who has a lot of your life together like do you have any like tips as you laugh at that well, thank you thank hey, you uh, i'm glad, I'm glad it looks that, that way <laughs> i know some someone people say that about me too and i'm like i don't I, okay sure um <laughs> but like what what is your like number one tip for like this is a good way of navigating this culture war Navigating the culture war specifically, I guess. So I, I guess where my mind goes to is some of the principles that I was taught in my, I, I did a mindfulness training. And so my <laughs> mind goes to some of these principles I learned in, in mindfulness training. Um, and without, without going into a whole lot of detail, like one of the things they had talked about was like holding on to ideas, but not so tightly that it hurts you. Um, 
And so you can picture like holding like a Lego or something like you could like really squeeze that Lego <laughs> and have her, or you could just hold it gently, right? And so we have opinions and we have perspectives and beliefs and understandings of how the worlds work. And like, it's okay to have them, but we shouldn't be holding on to it so tightly that it's hurting us. Um, and I think that we need to be open to the idea that, well, maybe, maybe I'm missing some information. Maybe I'm wrong about something because especially because part of this culture war stuff is social media which is absolutely siloing people i know i regularly come across things where and, and i i suspect that my silo i, I guess i don't know and i i've done some um uh, analysis of my twitter profile and they'll say it's slightly left-leaning uh uh left-leaning but i feel like it's slightly right right-leaning, <laughs> and so i won't see the talking points that left-wing people are making or i won't see the arguments that they're making um, and so sometimes I'll see one and I'll be like, oh, that's, that is a good point. I, I never thought about that because conservatives aren't saying that they're not arguing that point. Um, and so I think we need to be open to being wrong or open to just that we don't know everything, you know, or just open to changing based on new information. So some humility. <laughs> yes. So we don't have a lot of humility, no, but it's, yeah. I think that humility is important. I've definitely argued the idea that uh, the only thing we're ever certain of is that we will be wrong at some point. Um, and uh, that's like one of my deeply held beliefs is that I'm going to be wrong. I know I'm going to be wrong. I'm going to accept that fact right now. I don't know what I'm going to be wrong about yet, but. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think my religious experience has helped me with that a little bit. Like there, there are definitely perspectives that I'm passionate about. Like I'm very passionate about being, not being woke. Um, yeah. And there's certain things that I, I feel very passionate that I'm right about. Um, but but also like I felt really passionate about my religious stuff. You know, I, I was told that I knew all the answers and I was wrong. And that was that was hard. That was, uh, what, what do you call that? Um, hard pill to swallow, a piece of humble pie. <laughs> you know, <so> that, <laughs> that, that, was, that was something. And so now I'm a little bit... Uh, a little bit hesitant sometimes to be like, I, I know all of the answers. And I, although we, I think I tend to do that anyway, sometimes I, I try to remember that I could be wrong. Yeah. And I'd like I to, think I'd a like lot of hear. people, yeah, I think a lot of people, like, even if they do think that, that they try to have a sense of humility about sometimes you're going to fall into that arrogance of certainty. Yeah. I, I don't think you can avoid it. 100% of the time like yeah, and yeah. and I think that's actually part of being wrong is that you know sometimes your behavior is going to be wrong um but so we'll we'll wrap this up unless you got everything anything else to give my audience no okay uh no I got I got nothing <laughs> okay well um oh someone has a question though that I think is a pretty good question how sure. do you deal with the culture wars use of openness and tolerance as a means of labeling others as intolerant? So let me see. So I can actually see the comments, right? Yes, you um, can. Let me real quick. How do you deal with the culture wars use of openness and tolerance? Yeah, I mean, so I mean, it's it's a tricky thing because I feel like it's a really really good tool. Like they're they're really good at that, right? I feel like that's what they have going for them unfortunately uh yeah it's I don't, I don't i guess i don't know that i have an answer to that i, I think the jehovah's witnesses do a similar thing where they're like oh we're we're being loving we're being loving but then they're shunning you uh so yeah i don't know i don't have a good answer unfortunately <laughs> well, i mean i think it's it's two-faced um and, and, but it's kind of hard to accuse someone of um being a hypocrite without sounding like 
a jerk, honestly, um, sometimes. And I think it might just be best to recognize it for yourself, not necessarily like point the finger, because that that can that can lead you into some problems. That's my thought anyway. But um, all right. Uh, tell um, my audience how they can find you. Um, uh, you know, Twitter, everything, which that is yeah. your Twitter handle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. So my, my Twitter handle is Tuttle Ryan David. I use Twitter more than everything else. So you could probably, it's probably best to find me on Twitter. I have almost all social media. I just don't use them. I just use Twitter. I do have a website, Ryan David Tuttle. Uh, but yeah, Twitter is the best place to find me. All right. Well, uh, thank Yes. Uh, yeah. Thank you so much for coming on and talking to me, um, especially live, because it's the first interview one that I did live. Um, oh, awesome. But uh, <laughs> yeah, you, you were the, um, the guinea pig. Uh, but thank you again so much for coming on. I, I loved a lot of what you had to say, and uh, I hope my audience loves it too. Um, everyone, this was 451 Degrees, the anti-censorship podcast on the Unsafe Space Network. If you walk your fingers over to the like, share, and subscribe buttons, I would really appreciate it. Follow Ryan Tuttle, R David Ryan Tuttle, sorry. <laughs> no, that's, I'm sorry, I just messed up the order of your name. <laughs> Ryan Everyone David. Does it. It's Tuttle. okay. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ryan David Tuttle. Please follow him. He's also very funny on Twitter as well. Uh, I try. We didn't talk about it, but he is funny. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and um, I will see you guys next time. Uh, we will uh, actually, I will see you guys on Token Minority Report on Thursday. And thank you so much for tuning in. Thanks for sticking around until the end. If you're new to Unsafe Space, check out our deep content library that includes discussions with everyone from James Lindsay to Brett Weinstein. And please consider helping to fund our work by visiting unsafespace.com donate. You can find us on a variety of social media platforms, and you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space Discord server which is open to financial supporters at any level. We hope to see you there. Warning, this is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production does not meet WHO health and safety standards. Please report to a United Nations sanitization center immediately. Association with the following individuals is strictly prohibited. Experts who benefit from printing money agree that printing money does not cause price inflation. Trust me, just two more weeks to slow the spread of monkeypox. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Science, scientific, and scientifically are registered trademarks of the World Economic Forum. Unauthorized use is prohibited. Computer voice Curtis, never mind, that last line is fake news. 
please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.